Welcome to the e-commerce disruptors podcast, where alongside digital marketing experts, we give you our best tips, techniques, and insights on how you can be a disruptor in your industry. Hi, welcome to e-commerce disruptors presented by electric engine, where we give you the tips, techniques, and advice to help you disrupt your industry. Uh, today we have Cliff Washington, senior digital designer from essence communications and overall digital creative joining us and wanted to give him the opportunity to, to say hello. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm really happy to be here, getting a few moments outside of New York City in, in peaceful Connecticut here, Norwalk, Connecticut. It's been a while since I've been here, but glad to be here with you. Ah, thank you, and uh, welcome, Cliff. So before we actually get started, uh, we always like to break the ice with a few questions. So 60-second uh, quick-fire uh, questions. So I'm going to go ahead and get started. So dogs or cats? Dogs. Dogs. What's your favorite city? It's between New York and San Francisco and Barcelona, but that's not really an answer, so I'm going to go with uh, Barcelona. <laughs> All right. Uh, childhood hero? Mm, Indiana Jones. Nice. Chocolate or vanilla? Uh, I'm going to be not very exciting and say vanilla. Vanilla. Uh, chocolate man myself. Uh, how many cups of coffee a day? One, and it takes me all day to drink that one cup. Uh, okay. Favorite movie? Oh, favorite movie. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be kind of uh, controversial, but my favorite movie growing up as a kid was the really crappy Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh if yeah, you remember that. yeah. But it did so bad, but I loved oh, it, it. I'm not gonna lie. Yes, it's so bad, it's good. But if you know, the serious auteur answer is uh, color purple. Nice. All right, and then if you had one superpower, what would it be? Um, definitely flight. Nice. All right. So, always want to break the ice a little bit, like your uh, answers for sure. Uh, so, now that we've, you know, kind of jumped into that, what's your story? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. So, I am originally from Saratoga Springs, New York, where uh, one of the founders of Electric Engine, Chris Ching, is from. And uh, that's how this all came about. So, my uh, whether it was at my aunt's kitchen table drawing or at home drawing, reading comic books, that kind of this started my journey into the creative into creative uh ventures and fields um and from there i took drawing classes in high school um graphic design classes and then went to college for majored in illustration and minored in graphic design um and then from there you know i moved to new york city right after the summer after i graduated from college and you know one thing led to another and i just kind of been working in the creative fields throughout you know the 13 years i've been in new york done a bunch of different things whether it was graphic design illustration um video stuff some photography stuff um yes yeah, a plethora so when would you say it it turned into from just you know doing drawings to actually hey this is design this is something i want to pursue when when was that light bulb moment for you um it was actually in high school because I was sitting in graphic design class and we had a project to create uh, cereal boxes. Okay. And it kinda, it gave me the chance to flex, flex illustration muscles and learn graphic design and learn Photoshop, Illustrator. Uh, I, was, I was part of a high school where we had a design lab with a bunch of MacBooks. This is like, not MacBooks, sorry. Uh, um, 
What were the Mac machines? The the they were the the towers back in the day with the multicolored monitors. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was oh. G threes or I want to say it's G three, G four, something like that. Mm. So we were pretty privileged growing up where we had access to those. Yeah. So um, and I don't know if it was CS two or CS three or something like that. And um, yeah, we just uh, I was just learning about Photoshop and Illustrator and. I think that class showed me the commercial potential of graphic design, whereas a lot of the drawing classes were more personally satisfying mm-hmm. in that sense. And not to say that the commercial stuff wasn't personally satisfying, but I saw the potential for it to be on a more uh, mass mass scale. Yeah, so. absolutely. It's funny you say that. I remember, so this has got to be something that they just kind of do throughout different high schools, doing a similar project where it was designing a cereal box. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had to cut it out and actually make it. So it was a whole project. That's amazing. So for your industry, what is it you, you really love about it? You've been working in it now for, you said, 13 years. What, what's kind of uh, kept you passionate about it? Um, bef- before I answer that, let me just stipulate that when I first started in New York and, and graphic design and design or digital design, I started in apparel design doing um, children's well, no, first it was men's apparel, and then it switched to children's outerwear. And then um, from there, I transitioned to advertising design. Um, okay. I think the thing that sustained me, that when I switched to advertising, it was specifically in digital media. Yeah. So it was radio stations. Um, and then from there, I also worked at um, some fashion brands. And also now at a, a magazine is like kind of the, the main... Uh, the main thing about essence media but uh it's more of a me- digital media company overall now so yeah. the thing that sustained me is i've met a lot of really cool creative people no matter if it was at working at hot 97 or working yeah. at town square media mm-hmm. or working at um at essence so it's it's meeting really creative talented people and being able to kind of spark up different conversations about you know what yeah. we're doing where we've been where we're trying to go that's that's something that's and that's really that's outside of the work and now talking about the work itself i've done some really cool work with uh some creatives that i've gotten to know where you know one project was uh at brooklyn museum it was kind of yeah. like a kind of like a, a all in all all-inclusive experience in, in one of the uh, exhibition rooms so you know that that's definitely sustained me yeah. it's like you know what can we do next yeah so that's pretty nice though it's it's not only the people you work with but what you do mm-hmm. it's the passions and and that's that's a huge thing just being able to enjoy working with your team and, and having those people that you trust and that can spark that, that that creativity is fantastic absolutely so you mentioned that project uh in in brooklyn at the, at the museum would you say that's one of your your favorite projects that you've worked on yeah um i know one of the questions uh that Morgan sent me was you know what's one of the more one of the, my favorite things that I worked on and I actually it didn't take me as long as I thought it was gonna to think about that yeah and um, the project that I had at at Brooklyn Museum was this thing this thing called Black Gotham mm-hmm. so it started out started out as a, a as a walking tour in downtown Manhattan and basically it was just telling the untold story of this slave community down there mm-hmm. that existed before the financial community okay. so the curator of that wanted to create a graphic novel based on that. Oh wow! So he called me in to help design the look and feel of it, mm-hmm. and from that, that led to utilizing his relationships at Brooklyn Museum, yeah. and them giving a whole exhibit, basically interactive exhibit, 
based on that the black gotham idea um so it was like uh it was a party it was like a photo show it was a graphic design show all in one yeah so me and the art director of that you know were both on stage and what would happen is uh the curator who's, who's a photographer would take pictures of people that came to the show yeah and then route the photos to us and we would design those photos in the look of the graphic novel which would appear on a on a display behind us where a projector would project what was coming from our computers. So basically filtering them in the style yes. in real time. Yeah. That's amazing. So just bringing that graphic novel to life. Oh, yeah. The, oh, I can't imagine how cool that would have been to it see it all. It was really great. Come, you know. It was like 2,000, 2,500 people. Wow. It was really great. That's amazing. And this was back in 2014. I was going to say that's that's before the filter was even, you know, really like it was just starting to get its, its grounding. So to be a, a part of that must have been amazing. I mean, and, you know, it was almost it's because, you know, that's a, a good comparison, but it was almost its own thing, too, because it was like you had like I, I had not to that point heard of an art show or like an experience where people were getting their photos taken and then yeah. kind of turned into their own like comic book character. So that was like, you know, a really cool Incredibly thing. Incredibly interactive. Yeah. Were you uh and, and I don't know if, if you provide them this, but were you able to then share those images with them? Um, actually, so after the show, um, I gave a bunch of the images to the curator. Yeah. And then from there, he was going to, um, he had like everybody's um, email addresses. So yeah. um, that was his thing was to get it to them after that. So after that initial show, it was just kind of passing off the the images and he was going to do whatever he was going to do with it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Still creating that social buzz mm -hmm. and, and, and spreading the word. Would you say that's also, I, I guess, your favorite brand that you've worked with, or? Yeah, absolutely. That's to this day, that's a favorite, my favorite brand that I've worked with. Um, I had a chance uh, last this past July to go to New Orleans for Essence Festival. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that's my second time to New Orleans, first time to Essence Fest. So, in that sense, that's probably the um, my second favorite brand to work with even though i'm working with it overall as a company yeah um just the opportunity to go down there again and you know even though new orleans is insanely hot during the summertime um there was a lot of great conferences and panels and uh music performances and everything so um and a lot of it gave me the opportunity to interact with my coworkers in a way that we don't get to do in the office so yeah. yeah that was that was a really cool experience laid back atmosphere yeah 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 you just gotta get to go out to um like department dinners and uh different shows that are part of the festival overall and just kind of chop it up with your coworkers. yeah and and what would you say for our viewers what what is the essence festival it's it's, not, it's like i know it's a music and cultural mm -hmm. uh festival but so yeah, that, I mean that's that's a big part of the music and cultural festival in New Orleans, um, but it's grown to the point where it takes over the entire city of New Orleans. So there's like a good five hundred thousand people that are kind of descend upon New Orleans that are part of the festival. There's like over a billion dollars of revenue that the festival brings to the city. Wow! Um, and like I said, they, there are different events like Fashion House, um, um, the Black. GBEV, what is it? The Global Black Economic Forum that happened, um, which is about economic empowerment. Um, they had different shows inside the convention, shedder, convention center, where like Tyler Perry comes and he promotes something that he has going on. Um, the kids from The Lion King came and they sang some of the numbers from the movie. Oh, no way. Um, it's a lot of stuff, like different vendors, like um, I think Ford was there. Um, 
I think Shea, Shea Moisture, which is a beauty brand. A lot of different beauty brands were there. So it's, it's, it's Coca-Cola's presenting sponsor. It's, it's big. It's really big. So what you're saying is you're going to invite Electric Engine to this Listen, next year. Listen, <laughs> you guys should definitely come down. Like, that's, that's the next step is like have digital marketers there and yeah, making connections. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. For you, speaking of digital marketers, what would you say e-commerce means to you as a digital designer? Someone, I, I know you uh, had started with apparel and moved into digital. What was that like for you? Well, I think what it means to me at this point is it, it presents an opportunity and a challenge at the same time. Because I've really, within the past, I would say, year, have um, started to explore UX, UI design a lot yeah. more. Um, and it's a bit of a, a Rubik's Cube to do it effectively. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I have those conversations about e-commerce and, what you know, uh, going back to design, a, a lot of times now, whether it's front-end developers, uh, back-end people digital directors a lot of times are looking to ux ui designers designers overall to help them make sense between where they want to go because they have all the numbers and analytics but how do you turn that into something tangible that people are going to connect with so that's why i say it presents an opportunity and a challenge um i think now it's harder than ever to really make some get your audience or user to make some type of conversion to do some type of action so I mean, you know it even better than I do because that's what you guys work in. It's like, how do you take a brand that has the need to um, increase traffic and to increase conversion rates to really shape their e-commerce, right, through SEO? And, like, how do you do that when there's so much noise and so much – there's so many different options on the Internet? Yeah. So um, I would almost turn that back around you to ask you, like, you know, how how do you approach the different challenges of e-commerce? Yeah, and I, I think you put it pretty perfectly. It's it's breaking through the noise. One thing is that people's attention spans just don't last, especially in this age. People are very savvy in how they're searching and what they're looking for. And the amazing thing about Google is if you boil it down, your website is the answer to their question. Mm-hmm. And if your answer isn't good enough, you're going to lose people. Immediately, people are going to start dropping off. And for us, there's there's kind of that, that standard user flow that you might – might be taking obviously you want to have your hero that call to action immediately and then really begin to build out that story but one thing that we found and, and we tell all of our clients and, and anyone that we work with is you can't think of your website as brochureware it's not static it is just as fluid as the internet is you have the opportunity to change that around uh, we, we take a very modular approach actually so when we're building out a website we get the opportunity to break that down and through heat mapping and, and viewing the results uh, and that insight, we're able to then, let's say, reorganize the website, bring those conversions and, and make sure that people are actually interested and in staying on the page. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think you're absolutely right, though. It really does, again, come back to that noise. People are, are searching, they're looking, and they just want whatever's easiest, that frictionless experience. And, and that, that to us is always key. It's make it easy no one wants to work for especially when you're googling something Mm -hmm. like you want an answer in two seconds flat so how do you measure um click through right between what people discover through seo versus their engagement through social media yeah so there's different ways to track that there's organic traffic which is really going to measure the keywords that you're bringing in that you're ranking for naturally on your website Uh, the big thing to remember here is 
whatever keywords you are going after, it does take time to to gain that position. And we we like to think of it as a marathon that doesn't end. Mm-hmm. You have to be running in order to to be in the race. But even if you let's say get to first place, someone's going to overtake you if you don't continue to do that type of maintenance and whatnot. Uh, and then referral traffic is is really driving from from other areas. So whether your website's being mentioned in uh, by someone else through a backlink or even through social and driving through social media, and, and there's different ways to track that. Uh, you get the opportunity to look at Google Analytics as well as the analytics that are provided through Facebook mm-hmm. uh, and Instagram. But it, it becomes a very important balancing act of organic traffic, social traffic, and then of course. You can always play or pay to, to play through display and search. And depending on where you are in, in, in your website and its authority, how long it's been around, you would love to have a balance of, of more organic than paid. But if you're just ramping up, it, it's good to have both together if, if, if that's something that you, it, it's going to be an important channel for you. So in your experience with the clients that you work with, which route is working, is tracking better when you when you compare search to social um, referrals, I would say the goal is always organic. For us, we are we've been working with a company that they started off with I, I want to say twelve hundred keywords. Uh, now they're over eight thousand. And the really cool thing about them is, if you Google them, organic lollipops, they take the first page. All of Google. Mm-hmm. So what that means is you own that real estate. And when was the last time, let's say you were searching for, for clothes or shoes or anything, when do you ever go to the second page? Never. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's amazing. So if you're able to dominate that first page, you basically become the one answer and people are going to want to click through. So the, the great thing about organic is there's usually more, um, people are more likely to trust the result versus an ad. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes people can't tell the difference, but for us, organic is really a big player. But that's not to say social doesn't play a big component in it, especially now with the influencer movement. Uh, one thing that still blows my mind is uh, the whole fire Festival scandal. A few influencers were yeah. able to generate that kind of talk. Incredible. And the, the reach they have, they're, they're getting to millions of people, depending on the influencer you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're speaking to or having represent your brand. So to, to us, organic's fantastic. That's, that is what we really push. But social media is a huge platform and it, I, it's really changed the game and in, in how you market or, and, and even how you think about yourself and, and, and your friends and, and displaying your life out and putting it out there. You know, the weird thing is that a lot of the sites that I'll go to when it comes to specifically e-commerce now is it's not necessarily that I'm going to Google searching about them. It's more so because I'm Google has been so good at learning what I like to look at, and Facebook yeah. has been so good at learning what I like to look at, Instagram, that I'm 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 ad served wherever I'm going. So yeah, you know it. It's so weird how how much they know. Oh, like you're you love Adidas Ultra Boost. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they'll serve me like the exact shoe that I was looking at on on Adidas.com. So I'm not even necessarily a lot of times going to Google.com searching for, yeah. you know, I don't know, Adidas Ultra Boost. I'm, I might just to see like um, to compare and contrast different different outlets to see what their prices are. Yeah. But definitely. because I'm being served with whatever through whatever I'm looking at in terms of uh, being served by ads, I just 
I just go from there to, and that's not a lot because I know like sometimes those conversions can be, they can be fairly low. But, um, but yeah, that's a good point that you made about influencer marketing because it, like a lot of like I get my referrals through people that I trust on Instagram that are creatives. Exactly, and you know? and the power of a review and a referral is incredible. P- Google has actually started factoring that into their algorithm. So reviews, mm. if if you've got a ton of review of uh, bad reviews, they will consider that when ranking your website and bringing it up. And even uh, in terms of, I think you made an excellent point. Like you're getting served these ads that are so targeted, mm-hmm. and that's why they they're able to convert even even through creating okay so that's look, another question yeah look at like audiences and, and and whatnot so based off what you're searching mm-hmm. what you're looking for websites can cookie you they can a serve you up ads they can retarget you uh, remarket to you or through Facebook interestingly enough you can create lookalike audiences so if I'm selling a product and there's someone that has similar has, has searched around the keywords that we're targeting and and the product that, that we're, we're trying to sell, it will create these lists for you and then target to that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's incredible. The information that, that Google captures, that Facebook captures, Instagram, it, it's, it's a little terrifying, but it's also, it, it's amazing. Do you think, do you think there's going to be a micro-targeting bubble that explodes at some point? In the sense that, people are, will just get so tired of being micro-targeted because it's like, it seems like they're not even pretending to like try to fool you anymore. It's just like, this is, you know, we're micro-targeting targeting you right now. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because people, and I'm sure you've heard this, people are like, I wasn't even, I didn't even search for this. And all of a sudden I'm getting served up ads for, for this product. And I, I think yes and no. Okay. Because... People complain about the ads. I, I hate getting served this. It feels like it's spam, whatever. But when it's a targeted ad and it's something that you were looking for or something you're interested, you kind of let all that fall to the wayside. And you're like, yeah, I, I could I could click through and, 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 and buy it. And to me, it, it still astounds me that it, it, it works so incredibly, but it, again, boils down to a targeted message. Uh, one thing, though, is, is people are at liberty and can clear their their cookies mm-hmm. and and kind of you know help to get rid of that of that tracking but they don't know anything don't, about that yeah <laughs> so hey hey that most people yeah most people don't know and, and even if they do most people just don't even bother so i i mean i think it's going to continue to be extremely powerful i think it's it's going to get even more targeted it's all about that personalization that hyper personalization, and that's where I believe websites are headed. Mm-hmm. And e- even we we really speak to that. The more personalized the experience, the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starbucks has proven that with their app, they can make recommendations. If if you're gonna tell me that out of my day, I, I let's say I get coffee, and every day I'm ordering the same thing, and Starbucks already makes that recommendation, serves it up to me, and I I can hit okay, and that's it. It shaves off a couple days or a couple a couple minutes, but. It just really helps move the day along, mm-hmm. but it, it's. I think that's an interesting question because we are also bombarded with ads every day, and people know it. Mm-hmm. the The consumer is, is way more savvy, and that's why digital marketing has been involved evolving to really make sure that it's getting that targeted message and resonating. That but that you know, to me is the most important. But you know what really messes up a lot of companies and advertisers is that all all that you said is completely true. 
and then somebody like Popeyes comes along, right? Yeah. And they all they say is that we're making a chicken sandwich that's you know basically saying it's better than Chick Fil A, mm-hmm. and then they get twenty million in free advertising, on uh, and promotion on on Twitter and Instagram, and whatever other platform. Yeah. And it's like and companies like they will. They will work themselves to the bone trying to figure out how to get that type of free advertising. It's that it's that viral component, mm-hmm. and and I think a perfect example of that is the whole white claw thing. There was actually like news outlets were reporting on on a white claw shortage, and it's it also so there was this YouTuber. He put up a video. It wasn't even about white claw. It was an advertisement, I think, for a skincare product. He put it up, and he's the guy that coined. You know, ain't no laws when you're drinking claws and, and all this like just viral stuff. And next thing you know, people are quoting it. People are making memes. It's caught fire. Mm-hmm. And they're they're just dominating the Spike Seltzer mm-hmm. industry. I think this summer was the summer of the Spike Seltzer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's even White Claw put out. They're like, yeah, we're trying to deal with the shortage. And for them, it's fantastic. It's incredible. But how do you be, begin to really create that magic again and again? And it's it's part of it is allowing yourself to create something with people that aren't afraid to fail. Yeah. And that don't have boundaries. Absolutely. But the majority of companies are afraid to conduct themselves in that way. Well, I, I think part. Of, yeah, I, I agree, because part of it is the whole white cloth thing isn't super serious. It, it, it's it's funny. It, it's got that shareability component. When I first heard about it, I, I was dying i was mm-hmm. laughing a couple of the other quotes he said were hilarious i think what he said oh you're drinking truly's you must you must be an android user and like <laughs> just like cracking jokes and it I, I think it's true when you can say something that's that's funny and relatable to your target audience and and even just in general to the the consumer it it becomes so much more powerful than this you know we got to deliver this message and we got to say this and and these 15 seconds and so it's I, it's it's a little bit, it's it's the technology, but it's also marrying. It still comes back to that creative, that that idea, what sparks, and what's re, what's going to resonate with with who you want to to reach out to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Cliff, first of all, I've loved having you on the podcast. For our viewers and and for everyone out there, do you have any you know helpful tips, whether they're getting into design or even thinking about the digital space, anything that you want to leave off with? Um, well, I do think that in today's environment, um, you know, the challenge of the gig economy and being able to, especially in design and creativity overall, to have some type of solid foundation when you're entering into, you know, independent contract work or even, you know, full-time jobs, because some of these jobs can be tenuous. There's a lot of um, short-term, six-month type work. It can be a little bit daunting, especially when you're coming out of college. Um, I came out of college, you know, a couple of years before the recession. So when the recession hit, I, I was laid off in that time span uh, at the job I was at at the time. Um, so I think that the thing that sustained me during that period was, I mean, I was creating whether or not I had a, a full time gig, yeah. you know. Um, you know, I think it's good to be of the mindset that when you're in the creative field, a lot of times you'll have short term, short term work. It's just kind of the nature of the beast, especially right now. Um, but to keep educating yourself on different changes, changes and trends and different softwares that pop up, um, 
you know, I've, I've heard stories of people that are older than me that, you know, were creatives in the industry for years, creative directors, art directors that kind of aged out of what they did um, because they didn't keep up. Absolutely. Um, and I also have found mentors on like YouTube and Instagram that have been able to keep up by, you know, continually educating themselves on on what's happening and the, what's on the cutting edge. You know, so that's I think that that would that would be one of the main things is just to keep yourself fresh, you know, and just find find that niche niche for yourself. Um, you know, I, I love comic book movies and comic books overall. And, you know, and that's kind of my niche so you know however i can i can service that niche in whatever new software that pops up you know i'll try to do that so yeah absolutely so cliff thank you so much for joining us uh, teaching us about how you've disrupted the digital design industry uh, and for everyone out there thank you again for tuning into e-commerce disruptors please subscribe and comment you can follow us on twitter facebook and instagram at electric engine that's e-n-j-i-n and find more information at electricengine.com also, I did want to mention that Cliff has his own podcast and absolutely should check that out. So you can find my podcast, The Creator's Life, on SoundCloud, and I'm also on iTunes. Um, and also, ch uh, please check me out on Instagram at uh, K-N-O-Cliff3. And you can also find The Creator's Life at The Creator's Life 1 on Instagram. All right, awesome. And here's to hoping uh, I'm invited on that podcast. And, and absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. This has been the E-Commerce Disruptors podcast presented by Electric Engine. Subscribe today to stay up to date on all future episodes. Please follow us at Electric Engine on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or shoot us an email at podcast at electricengine.com. That's engine spelled E-N-J-I-N. Feel free to leave us any comments or questions about this episode and let us know what you'd want to hear on future episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening.